0: Hello, America, and welcome back to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. You know what we do. We do news. We don't do noise. We don't do opinion. We don't do speculation. We just give you the facts and let you make up your mind. All right. Lots happened since the last time we had a chance to talk. And uh, there is new evidence of just how bogus some of the evidence or information was that started the Russia case. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to go to part two of our extraordinary interview with Carter Page, a man who was portrayed as a stooge of the Russian government, the man coordinating between Donald Trump, allegedly, and Vladimir Putin, who it turns out didn't do any of that and, in fact, was helping our CIA detect threats from Russia. The second part of the interview is extraordinary. He talks about the personal toll that this um, entire episode took out of watching his name be besmirched. And uh, you just got to listen and hear what he has to say. He also has some pretty strong insights about what to do with the FISA court. And uh, whether he thinks any real accountability will come from the Durham and FBI investigation, you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, First, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back and we'll talk about a story I broke uh, just before the weekend that I think has very important repercussions for the investigation of the investigators in the Russia collusion case. We'll be right back. You're not going to want to miss anything today.
1: Deborah's home was stolen. No, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest growing white-collar crimes. And this story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Debra goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity, gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need Home Title Lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to hometitlelock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Debra. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com.
0: All right. Hey, thank you, sponsors and advertisers, for making this show possible. And all of you listeners out there, I hear a lot of times, how can we support your reporting? How can we get just the news successful? Well, the answer is support the incredible people that are advertising with us and trying to help us succeed at bringing you this news. So that's what you can do. All right. Late last week, I uh, broke a story. It got a lot of attention, uh, including President Trump himself retweeted it. Uh, I think it's a very important story to understand just how big a ruse the early evidence was in the Russia collusion case. So we now know, thanks to the good work of the Inspector General Michael Horowitz, that the Steele dossier, the document that basically gave the FBI the power to spy on the Trump campaign and to listen in on Carter Page, that those allegations were mostly uncorroborated and in many cases debunked. It was a bad intelligence document, and the FBI knew early on it was bad, and yet it persisted to portray that it. Evidence as solid and wrongly convince a court that they should have a FISA warrant to look at the Trump campaign and specifically Carter Page. So, one of the key pieces of evidence that launched the investigation and gave the media the Russia collusion narrative, the now debunked Russia collusion narrative, was the Steele dossier. But the second piece of evidence that was the cause celeb of journalists like the New York Times and the Associated Press and others was a document discovered in Ukraine in the summer of 2016 known as the Black Ledger. And it purportedly showed that Paul Manafort was getting cash under the table from the Russian-backed politicians in Ukraine that he wasn't declaring in the United States. Uh, It was such a powerful story when it emerged, when the ledger emerged, And it was bantied about in Ukraine by uh, both the uh, uh, famous Ukrainian parliament member and by the head of NABU, the FBI of Ukraine, that within a few days, Paul Manafort was forced to resign from the Trump campaign as its chairman. It was a big blow and it was the beginning of the Russia collusion narrative in the media, followed soon after by the leaked allegations from the Steele dossier and then eventually the publication of the dossier itself. So this was a very important document, both politically and uh, for the FBI in justifying an investigation of Paul Manafort. So let's fast forward uh, to 2018, two years after that document surfaces. Uh, the media is now in a frenzy that the president was engaged in a conspiracy with Vladimir Putin to hijack our election, something we now know not to be true. And the uh, Robert Mueller, the special counsel, scores a big plea deal. He gets a cooperating witness. His name is Rick Gates, the right-hand man of Paul Manafort. Everybody in the media thought this was going to be the big moment, and it was. Uh, Gates' testimony clearly led to the conviction of Paul Manafort. He was a very important witness to uh, Robert Mueller. He was a very strong cooperating witness. The prosecutors uh, spoke highly of his credibility, his honesty, his cooperation, But here's something that Robert Mueller did not tell us in his final report. And it's been a mystery, a secret, until just a few days ago when I got some debriefing documents uh, about uh, Rick Gates' time with Robert Mueller's team. Here's the news. Rick Gates, the man who kept the books for Paul Manafort, who ran the business in Ukraine and elsewhere for Paul Manafort, told Special Prosecutor Robert Mueller's office in April 2018, nearly two years ago, that the black ledger was a complete fabrication, that it uh, it that Paul Manafort never received any cash payments. Everything he got was wired. So the book, the document that showed it was cash payments, was wrong. That the order and amounts of certain payments were wrong, and that um, uh, the the Manafort team, when the document first surfaced, went to the head of the accounting. For the party of regions, the Russian backed party in Ukraine that was paying Manafort as a lobbyist, consultant, political advisor. And he told them that the ledger documents had been burned in a fire in 2014 and that the document being portrayed as the ledger, the black ledger, was in fact a fraud. So just consider the magnitude of what that means. It means the two seminal pieces of evidence that were used to justify an investigation by the FBI and by the media against Donald Trump into Russia collusion were both bogus. Both bogus. That's an extraordinary thing. They were two political dirty tricks. Now, we know who paid for the Steele dossier, the DNC and Hillary Clinton. The question for our Justice Department, the FBI, and for Congress, if they're really interested in getting to the bottom of this, is who created, who falsified, who faked, the Black Ledger, and got it to the American public as yet another uh, headshot against Donald Trump and this bogus Russia collusion narrative that gripped our country for two and a half years. And a second question for us, I think, honest to ask, I know as a reporter I'm curious, if Robert Mueller knew this, if he knew that the origins of the Manafort investigation were in fact faked, Why didn't he tell us so in the report? There are so many omissions in the Mueller report that weigh towards innocence, that weigh towards the misconduct of the media and the misappropriation or misportrayal of evidence by the FBI early in the Russia investigation. And Robert Mueller didn't bother, or his team, Andrew Weissman, all those guys, they didn't bother to tell us what they had learned about the origins of that evidence. That should trouble us all. It should also trouble us and our next guest, Carter Page, because he was the target of what we now know to be a false FISA. When we come back from the commercial break, Carter Page will join us and you'll get to hear more about the extraordinary, extraordinary time he went through being portrayed as a Russian spy when in fact he was a CIA asset helping America keep an eye on Russia. We'll be back from the commercial break and then it'll be Carter Page. You won't want to miss it. Imagine this Valentine's Day story is you. You're parked outside the restaurant where you're meeting your date in 10 minutes. Glancing in the mirror, you notice you got those wrinkles and large under-eye bags. You rummage through your bag thinking, where's my secret weapon? And there it is. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in just minutes. It's the Valentine's gift you give yourself. Go to tryplexiderm.com and enter VOICES, that's V-O-I-C-E-S, at triplexoderm.com for 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter voices, V O I C E S, at triplexoderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1 800 685 1292 and mention the code voices, V O I C E S. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee, so get to my special discount. Enter Voices, V-O-I-C-E-S, at triplexiderm.com. All right, folks, welcome back. We're now going to pick up where we left off last Thursday, win the interview with Carter Page. I want to pivot from Accountability to uh, some of the personal toll that uh, this has taken on you and what the experience is like. But I want to start with something that um, I've wondered about. The media, the Russia collusion narrative could not have gotten as big or as dramatic or as breathless as it did if it weren't for the media taking these leaks. Um, When you look back at the media coverage to you and the way reporters treated you, What's your what's your takeaway about the media in in the modern uh, world and how much the court of public opinion can influence events in the court of law?
2: You know, John, I the uh, the thing that uh, I find most fascinating is just the breadth of it and the scale and the uh, just what a huge negative network it is. And I mean, what uh, again? I, I go back to the appreciation I've had for your fearless reporting. Talking about you know what actually happened, uh, you know when you compare a few lone voices such as you, Sarah Carter, Sean Hannity, et cetera, right. I mean it's really a uh, a, a tiny tiny ripples compared to these massive waves of lies being pushed by corrupt organizations. So you know, to me, it's just it, it, the uh, the biggest takeaway and the biggest concern is is just the magnitude of it all and the complete lack of uh, lack of accountability. You know, Washington Post and Washington Post hasn't been always my uh, my best friend, but they did have a, a series of uh, reports. They did, yeah, by the uh, Washington Post media 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 critic, uh, a gentleman by the name of Eric Wemple. Yes, who is kind of who's gone point by point talking through all these, uh, all these issues. Um, So I thought it was really, uh, you know, that was uh, quite illuminating. And it's, it's good that, you know, I I think people are are starting to look inward a little bit. But I think uh, Mr. Wemple is a rare voice uh, like that. So
0: yeah, no, he held um, uh, uh, Rachel Maddow accountable, and then also uh, confirmed that one of the stories I took a lot of flack for when I wrote it, the, uh, the spreadsheet story about Steele's dossier showing that none of it was true or nearly none of it was true. Um, but he, he went back and, and credited that as being accurate and um, noted that many of the media doubted it at the time. So th- those are small victories in a sea of a lot of disappointment, I'm sure, for you. Um, let me ask you this. Your lawsuit targets – you have one lawsuit against the Justice Department. That's completely understandable given the FISA. And one lawsuit against the DNC. What um, – why not sue Glenn Simpson, Fusion GPS, or Christopher Steele, who were the actual gatherers of the bad information and the perpetrators, the leakers? We know Simpson and Steele have acknowledged they went to the media outside the chain of command at the FBI and leaked these stories before the election. Um, is there, uh, Do you intend at some point down the road to look at them as defendants, or have you decided that you're not going to pick a legal fight with them?
2: Well, the- John, there is just, you know, as we've been talking about, there are so many huge battles to fight, and uh, you know, we're we're looking at a, a full range of possibilities, but you know, it's a uh, it's a daunting large process, and unfortunately, when you're up, you know, against these massive organizations, uh, again, it, it goes back to the same thing we've been talking about: is where do you even begin? And right. you know. I, I do, I, I look at it as almost a flow chart, right? All of this began with the corrupt act, actions at the uh, the highest levels of um, of the U.S. government during the Obama administration, but also their political allies uh, in the private sector or, you know, affiliates in the private sector.
0: Now, you and I were talking on the phone at a time when the we were still running on you, so I'm sure our conversations were captured by, by the FBI. And I I can remember a few moments where, um, I know you were despondent and, and you know uh, you know, certainly were, uh, uh, despondent may not be the right word, but frustrated by the the ongoing silliness that you were witnessing. And a couple of times, I remember telling you. Hey I'm hearing you worked for the CIA you were helpful and you wouldn't acknowledge that you could you kept quiet even though that would really help your reputation it might have changed the public narrative why did you choose to be quiet about that until the IG report finally came out and acknowledged it uh, and how hard was it to stay quiet
2: you know I mean there's a balance between secrecy and national security and uh, you know decision making and I'm just uh, I'm cautious and I, I try to act professionally. Now, you know, now some things are more essential than others. And unfortunately, it just, when you're, when you're up against such bad actors that are so completely deceitful and, you know, when life and when it becomes a life or death matter, that's, that's when uh, really the stakes are raised. And I mean, to me, the perfect example of this, and it, it just shows a lot of the challenges that remain on the horizon, is none other than Adam Schiff, you know, the uh, from the House Intelligence Committee, right? I mean, this is a guy which who not only continued to spread those lies, uh, which were you know paid for and distributed by his political party, but he ta- he says it on national television, and he, you know, one day when he was he was making this uh, test or running this uh, or was the uh, number two on the House Intelligence Committee on March 20, 2017. That's actually when I received the most death threats. And I actually informed the FBI about that. Uh, but, of course, they were, they were very close. Um, and, you know, they had close ties with the Democrats and Democratic actors. So, again, you know, pers- personal safety and, you know, the national security aspects of the Bureau are – a very low priority from every, from everything I've seen. It's just more bureaucratic, uh, you know, small talk like we heard from uh, director Ray and literally no accountability whatsoever or anything that would actually address the civil liberties uh, concerns and the personal safety ramifications for innocent Americans. It's just looking out for their, their, uh, their law colleagues, and their, their old brethren in the, uh, in the swamp and in their kind of political and business circles.
0: You are one of a handful of Americans that were hit with a tsunami of this magnitude, where the entire country, the entire media, the entire apparatus of the United States government turned against you and tried to portray you as something you were not. Uh, you know, there's a handful of people. Richard Jewell probably falls and that. Certainly, President Trump has experienced a lot of that, but... What was, what was the hardest part of that? And do you, do you remember a moment where you, you, uh, you felt the weight of that tsunami that so few people ever get to experience in
1: their life?
2: Well, the thing that, that bothered me the most is the damage it was doing to our country and the strong leadership that we have in our country right now. And I, I, I think it's just a repeat of what we keep seeing over and over again from the Democrats. So you know, I look and I watch President Trump and his ability to continue pushing forward with an amazing agenda uh, and with so many accomplishments. And I, I just um, you know, to me, I always bear the bigger picture in mind uh, as this as this story develops. So yes, a uh, a an incalculable uh, level of damages that I I have suffered, but. When you look at the uh you know the ramifications for the United States in all all citizens i uh that to me is the thing which I find the most troubling and unfortunately it just uh it just continues yeah
0: I can remember many conversations and there's two things that I, i've I've said this to many people in my uh in my office that uh, one you were always resilient even on the darkest days and two. You almost never, I never remember a conversation with you where you had a woe is me moment. I kept thinking you deserve a few woe is me moments, but you never did. What, where did you, you know, what, what makes you tick that way? What makes you, what strength do you draw that in all those conversations I had with you, I can remember you never once, you know, uh, was whining. You, you were just like, you know, this will pass. The truth will get out. What made you, uh, deal with this in that capacity?
2: Well, I, I, let me say two things, John. Number one and I just reiterate what I've said before, this is a woe is America moment, right? This is, I think about all the damage that these criminal acts have done to our country. Right. And to me, you know, it's the, uh, there's, there's a saying called America first, right. And figuring out how to fix this tragedy, which has been, you know, committed against our country. And I think that leads into my second point is just watching president Trump and his, his resilience, and although I've never met him, uh, you know, someone who actually has that that strength to just keep plowing forward, uh, and you know, amidst and you know, anything that I've I've had to deal with in terms of the uh, dishonest media and the really uh, aggressive, nasty Democrats is is minuscule by comparison to the constant tsunami that he's hit with literally every day, you know, in the face of so much, uh, so many facts which show how, um, how completely out to lunch these people are.
0: Well, you've been gracious with your time, but I want to ask one more uh, question Carter, because I wonder after all you've been through now, what's next for Carter Page? What do you do next? You, we've seen some of the other, figures in, in Russia, George Papadopoulos running for Congress, and, um, you know, other people have written books, and other people have, you know, just gone back to life as normal, but what is next for you uh, as, as Carter Page, and when history is done being written about you, what do you hope the final verdict is about you?
2: Again, John, I, to me, the, the verdict is, is out for America, right? I mean, what, it's just this tragedy, how do we repair our country? Uh, there are a lot of elements to that, and you know i'm i 'm helping out uh, in in, in any way I can unfortunately, a lot of these same bad actors are continuing their massive push so look it 's going to be an ongoing battle for the coming months and possibly years, but we 'll see how it all plays out but uh you know again i um I think the mission is, is well worth it uh just given the stakes that are are still in play here
0: well your story carter page is one uh, remarkable story and it speaks volumes about how our intelligence agencies got misused in a political dirty trick and how one person was able to overcome it it is a remarkable one and so we wish you luck i hope you stay in touch with us and we'll, we'll have you back on john solomon report soon but thank you very much for joining us
2: Thanks for everything you you have done and continue to do, John. You are an essential uh, voice of
0: truth and reality. So uh, I, I look forward to staying in touch indeed. Thanks a lot. And keep us up to date on that lawsuit. I think we're gonna learn a lot from it. So thank you, Carter. Thanks, John. Wow, what a story. It's a lesson for all of us to learn about the incredible crushing power of the state, what it can do to a person falsely accused, and how it can take an entire country on a false roller coaster ride for two and a half years. At the end of the day, that's what the Russia collusion story is about. A political dirty trick by the DNC and the, the Clinton campaign, taken on by the FBI, carried out for three years, violating the civil liberties of Carter Page, running up large legal bills for lots of innocent people, all to find out the entire narrative was bogus from the start. That's something to really seriously think about. And as we head into 2020, post-impeachment, the real question is, will the FBI, the Justice Department, John Durham, the senators who have the right committees in the Senate and Congress, will they hold those who perpetrated this entire episode accountable? And what will we learn that we don't already know about the magnitude of deception and uh misconduct that occurred during the russia collusion investigation i'm john solomon you're listening to john solomon reports at justthenews.com we'll be back later this week with another great guest and a lot more discussion until then have a great week